from the Cairo Radio Newsroom in Seattle, I'm Dave Ross, and these are the Ross Files. Jared Diamond is probably most famous as the author of Guns, Germs, and Steel. He's now written a new book called Upheaval, Turning Points for Nations in Crisis, a professor of geography, but uh, also geography's effect on history. And give us the the premise for this book. You studied various countries to see how they behave in crisis with an eye towards what, Jared? Sure. The premise of the book is that I look at national political crises in the countries that I know best from the perspective of personal crises. That's to say all of us experience personal crises from breakdowns of relationships and deaths of loved ones and job setbacks. And there are various things that make it more or less likely that a person will get through a personal crisis, such as whether you seek help, whether you acknowledge a crisis, whether you accept responsibility. I look at similar factors for national crises, whether a country accepts responsibility, whether a country receives or doesn't get help from other countries, and whether a country acknowledges that it's in a crisis. Now, I know you didn't write this based on current events or to diagnose the Trump administration or anything like that. You want this book to last a lot longer than that. But the discussion right now is that America is either in crisis or we're headed for a crisis. And as someone who has, uh, for many years, studied the sweep of history, uh, put this current situation in perspective for us. Do you see America as being in a crisis now? Yes, I see him. Well, I see America as spiraling into a crisis. And the reasons are the ones we're all familiar with. The breakdown of political compromise, the inability of the parties and government to agree on any legislation, the restrictions on voters getting registered to vote, those voters who are registered don't bother to vote, the decline in socioeconomic um, equality and mobility, the decline in government investment. Those are the problems of the United States that that many of us recognize. On this problem of not being able to compromise, you've written that in other countries, when there's been a breakdown like that between two sides, and in our in our country, I guess it's the it's the more and more extreme left and the more and more extreme right, that it ends with one side imposing a military dictatorship to eliminate the other side. Do you see anything like that ever happening here? Sure. Uh, um, to begin with, it's not the case that breakdown of political compromise always ends in military dictatorship. It usually doesn't. But in some horrible cases in countries that I know well, it did. Chile in 1967, the Latin American country with the longest history of democracy, did end up with a horrible dictatorship from 1973 onwards. And Indonesia, uh, with a breakdown of political compromise, had an explosion in which half a million, at least half a million Indonesians got killed. The risk for the United States is that with the, particularly the decline in political compromise, we could also end up undermining our democracy, not as a result of a military dictatorship, because the American army, armed forces have never been involved in politics, but instead in the way that we see now, gerrymandering, preventing people from voting who are likely to vote for the party, not in power in the state and local government, the decline of equality, and things like that. So then what works in a situation like this? Is this something where, uh, for example, uh, individual billionaires can promote some kind of 
reform that allows people to compromise? Is it uh, a series of, is it depending on who you put into office or is it something else systemic that would need to change? In other words, is there another way uh, out of this that's, that uh, is directed by what you've seen in your own studies? The first way to get out of it is to recognize that we have a big problem associated with with breakdown of compromise. As for where this comes from, what I see is a decline not just in civility, in a decline in political compromise in the United States, but a broader decline in civility, Um, increasing nastiness all across the spectrum of American life, increasing nastiness in academic life, increasing nastiness even in getting out of elevators, whether the people waiting for the elevator um, let the people get out, as used to be the case 50 years ago, but is less and less um, the case today. So it's a decline in civility um, uh, generally. And as for where this comes from, my guess is that part of it is the decline in face-to-face communication in the United States. So much of our communication now is not face-to-face, but is by words on a screen, by cell phones and computers. And it's easier to be nasty to words on a screen than it is to someone that you're looking Hmm. in the eye. Is it time to teach manners again? Is that what you're saying? Well, it's not to to teach manners. What is it that could help us get over it? I've been thinking a lot about that in the last week or so as I travel around the United States, and it seems to me that a necessary way to get out of it um, is for um, Americans to to talk more about the strengths of the United States, the things that hold us all together rather than divide us. For example, this past weekend, I was with my son, who's in Boston, and we went to Concord Battlefield, uh, Concord and Lexington in the Revolutionary War. I've been to Concord Battlefield before, but going there this time, I found the power of it overwhelming. There was where the United States began. Americans got killed fighting for their liberty. What we need is a president and government that celebrates the admirable things about the United States um, in our history, such as Concord Battlefield, such as the Transcontinental Railroad, such as the Mississippi River and the locks on the Mississippi, all the wonderful things about the U.S. that we don't talk about today. As you know, there are different populations which see American history differently, whether it's the Revolutionary War or the Civil War or the westward expansion of the treatment of uh, Native Americans, you you have to agree on your history first to be proud of it, don't you? That's right. Um, You've you've identified a big issue there that different people have, different groups of people have fared differently in American history, and in particular, for example, African Americans and Native Americans and women have fared particularly poorly. Today, a reaction to that is what's called identity politics, focusing on issues affecting a particular group. But we're going to get out of our current problems um, only if we focus on the things that all Americans share. The ideal of liberty, although some people get more liberty than than others. The ideal of rags to riches, although that works more for some people than others. The ideals that make the United States unusual and admirable. I'm curious, because it sounds like towards the end of the book you were having an existential crisis of your own about writing history books because the lessons of history are so frequently uh, ignored. Is is that what you were feeling? That's one of the issues. Um, Certainly in the the epilogue to my book, um, I I argue that a a reason we 
read about history is not just that it's fascinating and gut-wrenching, but that hopefully we can learn things from the past, from other countries, just as we can understand people better um, the more we understand about um, other people. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we can learn things from history about particular countries and generalizations about history. One thing that makes me hopeful, one might, might object, well, people have been reading history for a long time. Why on earth is a book by Jared Diamond going to do what 2,000 years of history writing hasn't done? Well, today, more people are literate than ever before. More people read books than ever before. My previous books um, have been read by leaders like Bill Clinton and Tony Blair. So I'm cautiously optimistic that we may make a dent by getting people to think more about um, history. Have you sent a copy to President Trump? Uh, no, I'm not. Uh, well, my book just came out last Tuesday, um, and um, I'm being very cautious in in not identifying myself with either side of the political spectrum today. I haven't sent my book either to President Trump or to Joe Biden, um, <laughs> because I see problems on both sides of the spectrum. <laughs> well, very wise. Jared Diamond teaches geography at the University of California at Los Angeles and is the author of Upheaval, Turning Points for Nations in Crisis. Professor Diamond, thanks very much. Thank you very much. Remember that when there's a longer version of the interviews on Seattle's Morning News, you can usually find it right here in the original form, unconstrained by the limitations of a live broadcast. And you can subscribe so that when someone says, did you hear what was on Seattle's Morning News, you can say, not only that, I heard the part that wasn't on Seattle's Morning News. So my advice is to subscribe, and then when we talk to an author, a politician, an entrepreneur, an artist, a scientist, a teacher, a journalist, a celebrity, you'll hear every word. I'm Dave Ross. Thanks for tuning in.